You're listening to So Much Pingle, the podcast about herpetology, field herping, and anything and everything about amphibians and reptiles. Join us each week as Mike and his guests explore the amazing world of herps across our planet. And now, bringing a half century of experience and perspective to the microphone, here's your host, Mike Pingleton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Mike Pingleton here, and I am your host for these proceedings. And here we go with episode 83, and I hope you all remain safe and healthy out there. Well, I've been kind of busy over the last few weeks, uh, helping out with a couple of different herp surveys, and uh, there'll be a podcast episode coming out of one of those, uh, which I hope to put out in the next month, uh, if time permits. And I say time permits because I am leaving for Thailand next week, and I won't be back until July 4th, so I'm happy to get this show out before I leave because the last four or five days at home before a trip, I am running around like a madman trying to get everything ready, you know, getting the lawn mowed one more time and stuff like that. So good problem to have. So first up in the show business department, as always, I want to thank all of the show's patrons who help to keep the show moving forward. And supporting the podcast is easy to do, and there are a number of ways of doing so. You can use Patreon and you can uh, make a one-time donation, and you can even share your lottery winnings with me. But uh, I'll tell you more about that at the end of the show. Our guests for this episode are Sky Stevens and Sherry Monk, who I recorded months ago in Peru, uh, back closer to the beginning of the year. Uh, why did it take so long, you ask? Well, I had some technical issues. Um, I mean, let's call them what they really are, operator error on my part. Uh, when I record in the field, I use a Zoom HN4 recorder with uh, two Shure microphones cabled in. It's a lovely rig, and I get good results. But on this occasion, I neglected to turn off the Zoom's built-in omnidirectional microphone and uh, just run the two Shures as per usual. So the result was a lot of static and wind noise, and uh, I had to spend some time learning how to clean all that up using Adobe Audition. And uh, as you know, I'm not an audio engineer, and every time I have to dig deeper into audio engineering, I feel like my brain forgets a few dozen scientific names to uh, make room. So thank goodness I didn't have to ask Sky and Sherry to re-record this episode because it is a gem. Now, there are still a few moments of static in the recording, notably around the two-minute mark, the 39-minute mark, and the hour and 14-minute mark. Uh, my apologies for that, but the rest of the recording is quite clear. Uh, but you also may notice some other artifacts. The omnidirectional microphone picks up every buzzing insect, and the birds are a bit louder too, although I'm told some folks enjoy that. Uh, maybe turn down the volume if you listen with headphones. So here we go. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I'm down here in Peru, and I'm sitting on the back deck of a tambo. And uh, this this morning, it's my pleasure to talk to Sky Stevens and Sherry Monk. Welcome to the show. Mike, thanks for having us. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're off to a good start. Uh, so this is sort of how it's gone the entire week. <laughs> <clears throat> lots of lots of laughing and uh, and uh, lots of talk and it's uh, number first of all um, Sky it's good to see you again it's been a number of years since uh, I saw you in person so I'm happy 
happy to see you. And and Cherry, it's it's good to meet you finally. I feel like I've known you for years. <laughs> finally, yeah. yeah. So it's it's good that uh, we've corresponded and of course known each other electronically for a while. So, uh, but it's good to have you two here. And I couldn't. There's no way I was not going to have you <laughs> you two together recording because. Uh, <laughs> Obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because uh, you have a great friendship and you've had some great adventures together. So I want to kind of uh, get into that. And uh, so uh, let's um, let's start with Sky, uh, okay. since you're holding the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with you and let's just talk about a little bit about your your background, uh, like what you do for a living, maybe a little bit about your academic background and that kind of thing. So. Okay. Um, I teach anatomy and physiology at the University of New Mexico, Gallup. Um, my academic background, um, I call myself a disease ecologist. I have a master's degree in wildlife biology, and I have a master's degree in infectious disease and global health. Um, actually, very little herp work. I've done herp work kind of on the side, but mostly studying mammals and birds, um, which just just worked out that way. I'm more interested in systems than I guess species, if that makes sense. Um, sure. So uh, I guess, yeah, that's my background. <laughs> okay. We'll take it from there. Sherry? Well, um, I do weird things that don't seem to be and then that uh, migrated towards science, biology, wildlife journalism. So that was kind of rewarding. Um, and I'm also uh, a paramedic, and I own a company called Snakes on a Plane, obviously P-L-A-I-N, because I'm based in the Canadian prairies, um, and do a lot of uh, public work and education around prairie rattlesnakes, and then also uh, contracted work for relocation services and uh, mitigation on industrial sites. Sounds like you're very busy up there. I am very busy. But you have just one rattlesnake to worry about, right? Well, I mean, white species, yes, but many of them. <laughs> okay, this is what this is what I was this this has been the whole week here. <laughs> okay, uh, okay, that's that's a good starting point. And uh, since you're a journalist, you've obviously helped with these here and it's yeah, that's weird. That's guys. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the microphone. I'm holding the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of mics involved. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, so uh, so it's a little different for you to be interviewed. You've, you've had some experience talking to other people. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I get it. I've been definitely on, on both sides. And since I started doing the rattlesnake, um, like public stuff. I've become really comfortable at being kind of the, the face of that um, in my my region. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a transition because there is a comfort in being behind the camera or behind the microphone, which is how I had spent most of my career. So Yeah. yeah. Suddenly somebody shoved one of you going. Talk. Yeah. But but it's fine. As long as I'm talking about snakes. But if you, you know, put me on the spot about anything else, I'll just clam right up. So Okay. Uh, so how did you happen to decide to start this rattlesnake, uh, snakes on a plane? Let's say you're, 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 um, it's a nonprofit, correct? Um, no, it is a for-profit. Oh, it is a for-profit. Um, in terms of the industrial work, but I do all oh. of the, the relocation stuff, like residential relocations for free. 
So yeah. that's all at my own expense. And I, I cover that. And then I will do um, the educational sessions for other nonprofits for free. But there is a, a profit component in terms of like last summer I spent, I was hired for most of the summer to do rattlesnake mitigation work at a wind turbine construction site. So those were sometimes 14 hour days and meant taking time off my real job to be able to go and, and do this job. So that that arm is definitely for profit. I see. So uh, wind turbine sites, we're talking about where all the equipment is for repairing them or erecting new ones? Or yeah, yeah, exactly. So there is a new build. So there's all these components that come in. And even just like one blade is the length of two semi-trucks. So you have a lot of activity um, in an area that is like really, really heavy for migration. So they obviously wouldn't be allowed to be built right uh, to build right at hibernacula sites. But all of these sites were sort of um, in and among the summer feeding grounds that these prairie rattlesnakes were moving out to. Um, and because it's a protected species and you need to have a permit to just to handle them, um, it's not like they could even just move them off the road. Um, and because the, the season is so short uh, in Canada, there has to be a lot of thought into where are you moving them? You know, so right. you don't want to throw them off their routine. Too right. Much. So if they're leaving, if they're leaving their dens to go out to, you know, do their thing and feed and find mates in the summertime, if you know, the conventional thinking is that you just bring them back towards the den areas, which are always in the river hills. But all you're doing, they've just spent all of those calories, what they have left from over winter, to get as far as they, they've gotten. So there just needs to be a lot of thought into like, where am I putting them? Is there any chance that this could be a gestating female? What time of year is it? You know, do they are they are they carrying a big meal in them? Because you don't want to have to have that regurgitated. There's just a lot of thought when you have such a small, small window for this animal to be able to persevere in because they won't start feeding until May and then they're going to stop feeding um, early September. So it's not that long to do everything you need to do and to get enough calories to survive that whole year. Yeah. And if folks have been listening to the show, we've, we've talked about this a uh, number of times before the, uh, the criticality of calories in these animals because they don't get a lot of meals and then but the meals they do get, they use a significant portion of that, of the calories that, that are available to them. Yeah, uh, they might they might go a whole year on one feeding, so you can't have them regurgitate what may possibly be their only meal of the year. Yeah, that's so. right. But uh, but yeah, and then and, and getting into snakes was kind of like a a surprise in some way. It always liked animals and large predators, and like most herpers, I think started off on like dinosaurs and sharks. You know, like I was the kid that was rooting for Jaws and Jaws, and I remember my parents being like, "Sherry, that's horrible. You don't want people to be eaten." And I was like, okay, I just don't want the shark to be killed. <laughs> um, and then my son got super, super into spiders. Um, but he was um, very close to legally blind at the time. And the spiders that I lived with in Canada are tiny. Uh, he couldn't see them. So I kept catching like orb weavers and like little house spiders. And he just couldn't focus on them. So I went to the pet store one day to get dog food. And they had a tarantula on the counter. So I was like, well, he could see that. So I brought the tarantula home, like terrarium and all. And I, I wasn't, I remember, this is back when we had encyclopedias. Like that night I stacked three on top of the terrarium because I was so afraid of it. But then um, that just kind of like got me into rattlesnakes and toxicology. And that was it. I saw my first rattlesnake in Arizona and I was hooked. And then I moved 10 hours west to where there are rattlesnakes in Canada. And the rest is history. And then I met Sky. Yes. 
And that's the end of the story. <laughs> no, Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> this guy, you know, you also, how did, how did you get in that? You've done some, <clears throat> excuse me, you've done a lot of field work, but you really didn't do her- herping field work. But how did you get involved in, in herps? How did herps become interested to you? Um, I was, I've always been in a very animal loving family. My dad's a vet. Um, and my dad, uh, was was very good at encouraging me to learn and read. So if I was scared of something, he would just make me read about it. Um, because the more you learn about something, typically the less scary it is. So probably one of the best things he did, you know, as a father was just research and t- teach me to research and read. Um, so, I mean, I grew up um, outside Chicago, but also in West Texas where I'm from. And so there was rattlesnakes on the farm in West Texas and um, all kinds of things. And I just learned not to be scared of them, just to be interested in them. And then I got into tarantulas and kind of, um, and that's actually how I met Sherry was through tarantulas, but I was just in this neighborhood pet store one day and there was a really pretty tarantula. I don't even remember what species that's terrible. Um, but, um, took it home and got hooked on tarantulas and, um, got on the internet and got on these tarantula forums, you know, and, um, that's that's how I got into those. That's and that's how I mm-hmm. met Sherry was on Arachnoblurts in like 2003. So um, and then when I moved back to Texas, uh, I was living in Chicago at the time. When I moved back to Texas, it was I got to go see tarantulas in the wild um, on our family's place, but also rattlesnakes. And then suddenly the, the snakes just became more interesting. So. I really started field herping in about 2011, um, which is also a terrible year to be a field herper in in Texas. It was the worst drought in recorded history. Um, so I didn't see a lot of snakes. So then when I did see start seeing a lot of snakes, it was like extra cool. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then um, I have done some um, herp work. I've done some surveys in West Texas um, for the university. I was assistant curator of the vertebrate collection at Sol Ross, um, Sol Ross State University in Alpine. And so I would go drive at night just to pick up dead snakes for the collection. I helped organize the collection. Um, and then I worked on a timber rattlesnake project in Ohio through Ohio State University. So as a research assistant. So those are the herp. Oh, and I guess I, I've also uh, done some bronavirus research uh, at the University of Connecticut. And the timbers, the timber project. That was Ohio. Oh, you mentioned that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to me, Sherry. <laughs> I think she dozed off there. So. Boring story. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I was, like, I was waiting for the awesome names that you named your rattlesnakes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you oh. should mention it too because you're, you, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So the, the Timber Rattlesnake Project in Ohio um, had a Twitter account called Timber Tweets. And we would tweet about our snakes and their lives and what and pictures of them, what they were doing, um, just as like public outreach. So we named our snakes. And if you when if you found the snake, you got to name it. And I am a nerd of many colors. And so I named all of my snakes um characters from literature. So my first one was Ishmael. So we got to tweet, call me Ishmael. <laughs> that was his introduction. Um, and I had a Mr. Darcy. And uh, Aureliano and Rothgar and was 
<laughs> my snakes were very popular because people, are, if they didn't know the name, then they had to figure out where it came from, and it was it was very fun. Right. We got some uh, Jane Austen in there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see, what's his name from Hundred uh, Years of Solitude? Yes. Uh, Colonel Aureliano Buendia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by uh, the author is, uh, who is the author? Gabriel Garcia Marquez. That's right. I, it's early and <laughs> I've only had a couple cups of coffee. So that's one that's of my fair. favorite books. So I like that book. Very good. Um, so, and before we get to how you guys met and how the some of your adventures, you and I met, I think maybe 2012 on a trip to Baja or 2013? 2013. 2013. Yes. Um, we went to Baja Sur. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was, was fun. We were roomies part of the trip. That was a lot of fun. Got yeah. to tell you a little, get, little bit and uh, got to hang out and uh, have, have some fun. So it was a great trip. It yeah. really was. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's talk about the how you, you guys met through Arachno. What was it? Arachno boards. Arachno boards. So like Internet 1.0, and it was right like when the world was like opening up, and you realize that there's other weird people like you. Yeah. You know, and and that was just like so incredible for me to realize that there are other people. You know, and it wasn't just spiders that we had in common, but we also liked collecting like dead things, um, like skulls and like bones, and um, and there were, there was a lot of other crossover too. But now I can't. I can't think of them. Um, yeah, and then the herping. And then so I guess I had started herping in like 2005, so a little bit earlier. Um, but we'd still kept in touch all this time. And then, of course, Facebook ended up, you know, supplanting all the the web forums. Um, and then so we connected on Facebook, I think, pretty quick. Yeah, this is actually a really good story. Um, I was out at my family's ranch and one day and in the barn i fa i collected oh, a yeah. ton of owl pellets they were about to tear part of the barn down so we were cleaning it out so i picked up all these owl pellets and my mom was like are you gonna throw those away and i was like heck no someone's gonna want these i'm gonna put them <laughs> on facebook for my friend's kids or whatever and i had one friend who wanted one um for her kid and then sherry was like i want them <laughs> and <laughs> So I mailed like 11 owl pellets to Canada. <laughs> it may be the first time that's ever happened. I don't know. And that was, I mean, we had, we had been friends on Facebook and had talked, but I think that was the first time we were like, in my memory, that we really, really like clicked. And, and so to me, that's the point of like where we really became close friends was that point. Is that? Yeah, no, that's, we, my youngest and I would, we lived in the country at the time, like 20 minutes from the closest small town. And we had been watching a pair of nesting great horned owls, but I didn't want to get too close to like collect pellets or disturb them because I knew they were nesting. Um, and so we were kind of checking on them from afar. And so when these pellets came, it was just a, a way to further that activity with my youngest son. So we were able to like you know, we had to like go all the way to the town to like go to the post office and pick up these owl pellets and then got home and eagerly like dissected them and found all the little bones. And it was really good for the kind of learning that I was doing with Tanner at the time. So, um, yeah. And then we started talking about doing a herping trip. This is cool. Uh, uh, sorry, I got distracted. There's two blue jay, uh, blue gray tanagers in that bush over there. And I'm oh. them. Uh, I didn't get distracted for what you were saying, but th this is, um, most of the people listening 
totally get what we're talking about with the owl pellets and you know that's like oh yeah that's really cool <laughs> if we were if this was a public uh forum people would be like what is wrong with all these <laughs> owl pellets in the mail but you know a listening audience is like yeah 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 we get it totally get it so you you're safely among friends here so <laughs> so anyway you're going to talk about your first uh meeting and your first trip together yeah so we had um we had talked about like how much we liked herping and both liked camping um but we had um never done like a like a significant trip either on our own or just with another woman um, cause you know, there's, there's more now, but particularly, you know, 10, 12 years ago, there were even fewer women that were involved, um, in field herping, especially. Um, so we decided we were going to do like, there was no like weekend run at this like whole friendship thing. This was, we're going to have two weeks together in the back country. And it was just, there was, there was make it or break it. So she picked me up in Denver. Um, and we drove that night. And on our way to our campsite, we had a we had a locale, you know, that was supposed to be pretty good for um, Quetala's con color and nailed it like in five minutes. We're like, oh, well, that was easy. We set up uh, set up a tent and um, Sky had like everything. We had like chocolate mousse and red wine and like two year old cheddar cheese. So we set up these cots in this like tent and just talk and, and it was just great. I was like, yeah, this is totally going to work. But we ended up spending like, you know, the next, oh, that was the night that I started terrifying you with the bear stories. Yes. <laughs> yes. And she told me bear attack stories for hours. <laughs> hours. <laughs> I, had, I had just finished an entire book about bear attacks in Canada. And uh, yeah, I might, the one out of Russia is still my favorite story. But anyway. Um, yeah. So I was, when I'm enthusiastic about something, like it is top of mind, it is not going to go anywhere. It's going to be everyone else's top of mind for at least three days. Um, but the, the, it permeated the entire trip, the bears, and we kept going into bear country. Um, but yeah, no, it was really, really good trip. And it was, it was kind of like those moments too, were like, you, we knew we could do it, but actually doing it was like just on our own in the back country was really empowering, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it almost felt like, like my, I've got my wings, you know, like I'm flying, flying solo here. And if we can, we can do this, then we can go find snakes anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it was good. Why, why the two-year-old cheese? Uh, there was Whole Foods in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Alpine. <laughs> there was not much food. No, we just, um, we just decided, I mean, yes, we're camping and roughing it in a lot of ways, but camping and roughing it doesn't also mean you have to suffer, <laughs> like, food-wise. So we we had decided ahead of time, like, this would be a good, make it a good, just good overall trip and enjoy ourselves kind of as much as possible. And I had um, a good camp stove, like, set up. So I had my old truck and the tailgate would put down and I had a stove and I had a cutting board that covered the rest of the tailgate. And nice. so we could cook meals and actually eat well. And we have uh, good food. We we love like going to nice restaurants once in a while and high quality food and those things you don't you don't have to eat Chef Boyardee, you know. It's we all have those friends that it, eat that stuff out of the can. Yes. A part of on this trip we were bless their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> on, yes. On this trip, 
we were camping um, in the Huachucas with two of our friends, and they had met us down there, and they're eating cold Chef Boyardee out of the can, and I set up and, like, make spaghetti and, like, cook meat, and we had canned sauce, but, you know, like, zhuzh it up a little bit and yeah. made spaghetti, and we had red wine, and not five minutes after I'm done making the sp spaghetti, they come over and they were like, can we have some spaghetti? <laughs> but they made fun of it first. Yes. They were like, ah, ha, ha, look at you making food. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm making food. It was great. What's wrong with you making food? Oh, and the goat curry. Remember the goat curry on Vulture Mine Road? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was great. We stopped. We were we had gone to Indian in, in Prescott earlier that day and we bought goat curry and we saved the leftovers and we were on Vulture Mine Road and it just happened to be dead. And we were hungry, so we stopped and heated up the, the goat curry and you know, crisped up the naan and had goat curry sitting on the side of Vulture Mine Road and listening to the coyotes and it was great. <laughs> I love it. It but sounds the, wonderful. It was, but then for the next, I don't know, like seven years, Facebook, the only it would be like, you've been friends with Skylar for XX years. Or look at review this memory with Skylar. And the only thing it ever showed was this plate of goat curry <laughs> <laughs> for years. So it really haunted us. Like it was a good memory, but it was weird that that was the only picture <laughs> Facebook used. So now, whenever we can have the opportunity to enjoy goat together, that's our go to meat. So. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, man. This, it's been like this all week, folks. And I <laughs> I am here for it. <laughs> Let me tell you. Wow. So that was your first successful trip. And you've done some other things together, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was after that. Then you came to Canada. Yeah, you came to Canada. Um, and at this point, like, she, you know, my sons, Tyler and Tanner, like, knew of Sky because of all the stories um, and things like owl pellets showing up in the mail and, like, other weird stuff. And we had sent packages back and forth. And... um and then you came to visit. And so um, that was that was really awesome. So then she came to Canada. And then like two weeks later, I packed up the boys and we went to Texas. So we were doing big herping trip. And um, so then they stayed at the house and we were herping West Texas with the kids. And we had a lot of fun. We saw that crazy Aatrox. I've never seen a rattlesnake behave that way. Not once. It, it just we pulled up. We see it. We stop, we get out of the car, we walk up to it, and it loses its mind. And like, it just started striking the air. Like, we ha we were still feet from it, like, not that close to it. We hadn't touched it with our hooks, nothing. And it just was striking the air and flopping all over and rattling. And it just, we just stood there, like, absolutely gobsmacked because it just lost it and, it and then it just did it as it went off into, into the, the bush like striking at the air and it's freaking out it, it must have been so overheated before we even got to it like it must have been hot out for too long never seen anything like it like you know you hear all the things what you know we hear all the bullshit snakes chase people we always try to like you know fix those those legends but this one i was like you know, I mean, I've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, you know, of rattlesnakes, but this one behaved very, very differently. So we got to see that. And then we saw um, a snake being carried. I was like, that's a snake. So we stopped, we get out, and but it was moving really weird. 
and it was like a whole army of ants carrying an entire snake across the road. So we did spot the snake on the road, but it was, we have a video of it, yeah. but it was being carried by ants, the whole carcass. That's nuts. Yeah. Those are like these little memories like of cool things we've seen together. It's, it's, they're pretty special. Yeah. It was, it was really awesome. And then were the boys with us when we lost that snake in the steering wheel? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we we didn't completely lose it. It was just a very close call. A night snake. And it stuck its head into the crack of my steering wheel and then got it have its body hooked. So I had I had its back half and its front half was in the steering wheel and I couldn't pull without hurting it. It but it couldn't go anywhere. So we were just at a stalemate. It was for a, a standoff and Yeah, it was yeah. a standoff. Did it finally back out or Yeah. Okay. And we got it. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that could have really taken a wrong turn. And then we were... Uh-huh. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> and we stopped for this, like, huge scoop. And um, and I had the boys out. And I was like, it's dark. And, like, I made the boys wear, like, chaps. Like, full-length chaps for these for these trips. And so I'm always, like... I mean, I wasn't that much fun to herp with two kids, you know, because I was being so careful with them. But Sky was really patient. But... Anyway, so we're all stopped. We're looking at this large uh, scoot at the side of the road. And uh, I guess we still had our... I should explain, too, for oh. our, our folks who aren't familiar with it. What, what is a scoot? Um, it, a Mojave rattles, rattlesnake. Okay. Yeah. Crotalus scutulatus. 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 Yeah. So um, shorthand is scoot, obviously. And then, but we left our headlamps on. And all of a sudden, you could just hear this... Whoop, whoop, whoop. And this big heron flew into us like it must have been confused by the lights so it didn't hit us but it landed so then we're a stay there's the there's there's the rattlesnake there's the two kids there's me and sky and now now a heron and we're all just standing there looking at each other like, <laughs> that was really weird and then just as soon as we absorbed all this and of course we all moved because there's like this large bird that just flew into our little circle. So then I'm assessing really quick, where's the snake, where are the kids? And we all still had kept enough distance. And then as soon as I got that figured out, it was like, it just flew right over our heads and disappeared. But it was like, I want to see the snake too. <laughs> <laughs> but the kids had like the best, like, what did you do over the summer stories that <laughs> September? So And this giant bird came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> so we had a lot of good experiences that, that trip. And then you've done some other trips uh, without without the kids along, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the only one that we had the the boys with us. <laughs> um, but like, skies come for Christmas, you know. So no no herping oh. there. So um, so it hasn't been just herping, but yeah, and the, and loved having Sky for for Christmas. So that's been at least once. Mm -hmm. And um, we did Europe this past summer together. Um, well, let's talk about Europe a little bit. Uh, Europe, <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's do that. You go. Oh, okay. So where, you, uh, Italy, right? To start? Um, where did you start? We actually started in Paris. Um, we, uh, we planned this. I was already going to Spain with my family and Sherry messages me and she's like, what if I meet you in Spain and we, you know, you just extend your trip and we do a little trip. And then it got wild to the point at one point we were <laughs> going to, <laughs> we were also going to go to Egypt and Jordan and, and. They're real close to Paris. And she, Jerry just started tacking on countries to where it was going to be like a day in each country. <laughs> and and I was, and I, I'm very laid back and I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, 
are you are you sure um and then it it calmed down and and just became um france italy and spain um yes but we it was summer and it was hot and a drought and it wasn't really herping time so we we called this there's more of like a culture trip food culture and uh dead people that was the theme of our trip was dead people yeah okay so which dead people well, a few of them. We don't know they're all of their names. Um, so we first of all, it was supposed to be the catacombs in Paris, which, of course, is the most famous one. Um, and I had looked at getting tickets um, in advance and, and didn't. I don't know why. I think because I had looked a few times and they, it wasn't hard to get even the day of. But then I guess the Tour de France was coming through those days that we were there. So it brought in like a bunch of tourists. And then we realized we actually couldn't go to the catacombs when we were in Paris. So we missed those ones. And then we couldn't run a bicycle either. No, no, I don't think so. I rented. I don't even know if I could ride one at this point. It was like <laughs> 40 above. Anyway. Um, but like Paris was fun. So we ate things and drank red wine and it was everything a Paris should be. We went to the uh, Pierre Lachey Cemetery. Oh, yeah, that was her first dead fit. Did right. you? Did you go? Did you see Oscar Wilde's? We did. Thing? Yeah, Oscar Wilde's and Jim Morrison's. Jim Morrison. And Cuvier. Georges Cuvier. Oh, yes. So that was the one I wanted to go see. Here's the Herb Connection. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, famous French naturalist of... Uh, kind of credited with discovering extinction or proving that things could go extinct. Um, and so his, he and his family are buried there. So I was looking, I Googled to see what other people were at the cemetery that were like naturalists and he was there. And um, it was pretty funny. I found a little piece of rib at his grave. It's not human. Don't worry. But it was like someone's barbecue. So I, that's still in my purse. I carried around. <laughs> <laughs> that was my souvenir. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. You know, people leave pebbles and things on people's graves. That's a very common. Are you it's sure Jewish... somebody didn't leave a uh, a section of rib? For Maybe. Maybe I took it. But uh, the, the pebbles is actually a Jewish um, tradition. And yeah. it's a leaving memories. And there's on multiple myths of how it how it became. But, yeah, it's a pretty cool okay. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was cool. And, like, when I was... When I was a teenager, I went through a little hippie phase, and I was definitely, like, super into the doors. And I was like, one day I'm going to go to that cemetery, and I'm going to see Jim Morrison's grave. And then it happened. So I made my my former 15-year-old self very, very proud. Yep. And then uh, and then from there, we went, oh, we were going to Italy. And we wanted to go to, I can never remember what it's called. Urbania. Urbania, yes. Um, because there they have just this, like, old, 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 old church and then um they had preserved some bodies there and it was almost by mistake they'd run out of storage basically for bodies so these poor bodies they just put in the cellar and it is that how it went no okay tell them then um they were <laughs> they were buried in, in the ground and something in the soil there and a local fungus caused like natural mummification and then when um napoleon became emperor he was like, you can made a rural edict or whatever. You can no longer use cemeteries like inside the city. It was a hygiene thing. So they actually moved some of the, they went to move some of the cemetery and um, found these mummies. So they just put them in a church. They put like 18 of them in the church and you can go see them. So we, we went and saw them. <laughs> are, are they, 
they're mummified people, but they're not like wrapped like an Egyptian. No, mother. it's not. A, yeah, definitely very different. Um, but you can see the skin and hair and, I mean, fingerprints on some of them. So it's not quite as as perfect as the Egyptian mummification because it was not intentional. It's just a, a very natural, yeah. yeah, natural mummification. So it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was super cool. And then we had to, we had to rent a vehicle just to get there because there's this was like a tiny town. So from Florence where we landed, there was a tr- the train only went once a week. So after missing the catacombs in Paris, she woke up one morning, I think our last morning in Paris. And I'm like, I rented a car. We have to go and pick it up as soon as we land in Florence. And then we drove like three and a half hours across Italy to get to this place. So, so this is kind of a spur of the moment. It was, it was on our list, but the one site that I had looked at said that cha- trains went there all the time. But when I actually went to buy the train tickets, I realized the train only went there once a okay. week. So then I was like, well, we're not going to miss this because it was really high on our list. So yeah, we got there and, and then from, oh, we had such a good supper in Florence. <laughs> and then uh, best creme brulee I've ever had. Best panna cotta. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was amazing. <laughs> And um, and then where did we go after Florence? Oh, Rome. Yeah. Yeah, Rome. And then the Vatican. And then the best part of the Vatican, like, it was, I was honestly the birds. Like, I saw, I, I love corvids, and there was a crow, um, and, I, and I tried to buy a piece of this Italian guy's sandwich so that I could feed the crow, which he gave it to me for free. Um, but then I think was really surprised that I gave it to the crow and I didn't eat it because he probably thought I was starving. So, please, sir, may I have a crust of bread? Yes. And And then he threw it to the bird. But then he must have thought it was for me because he gave me a big chunk of the meat so that I felt really bad. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, I wish y'all could have seen his face, though. It just was like he just slowly hands her this piece of sandwich, like, okay, here. (laughs) And then I just immediately tossed it (laughs) down. Because I was so scared the crow would fly away before I got to feed it. And then so that was great. And then um, and then I ran in to buy a sandwich. I'm like in blind. I'm like, like it's more impatient than I've ever been in my life. So I've never been that impatient if it was for me. I just remember people. I need to buy a sandwich for <laughs> So then I rushed out there. And guy's like, hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> so I get there and hand her half the sandwich. We're throwing it everywhere trying to lure this crow back. And then just like pigeons. We there were so many pigeons that I was genuinely concerned security was gonna show up. <laughs> so and then pigeons were like this guy had I had this like really diverse European Facebook album that just like documented everything. And Sky had one and it was only pigeons, just pigeons <laughs> the entire trip. So then to be eventually surrounded by pigeons <laughs> at the Vatican, no less. Which, you know, and we're, and I have life listing countries at this point. I'm like, well, we have to go to the Vatican because it's another country. Yes. So, yeah, yeah it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and we did see a lizard at the Vatican, too. Yeah, we did. We we went herping at the Vatican. I don't remember what it was. Someone I'd eat it for us. One of the wall lizard? One of the wall lizards, It probably. was beautifully colored. Um, we got one in the tree and then a couple more in the bushes. The same species, but yeah, so we, we've been herping at the Vatican. <laughs> this is top tier stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and then it was, it was, and we like I would love to do like a dedicated European herping trip. Like I had a layover in London before I met Sky, 
Um, and I stayed at this awful Airbnb to be close to this park where I knew that they had the Vipers. And I had really good locales, like, I mean, down to like the right bush, but I couldn't get one. So I think I just didn't have the eye for it. Like I went back twice. So, but I, I would love to do a dedicated European herping tour at some point, but this was, uh, this is a good introduction to Europe. We also went to the Crypt of the Capuchins in Rome, uh-huh. which was de- decorated with dead bodies and bones and and they're all very artistic very beautiful and also the mummified monks um capuchin monks so Mm -hmm. that was that was our that was our dead people in in rome yeah you weren't kidding this is there's definitely a theme here oh yes yes it was and then spain too spain we yeah spain we went (laughs) went to the salvador dali museum where he's actually entombed and he designed the whole museum from top to bottom and it's just as weird as you would expect and um and that that was really cool and then we went to they build themselves as like the oldest like recorded continuously running restaurant in the world um and and it was Hemingway's favorite place to eat when he was there so we got to sit in the same chair that Hemingway used to sit and eat his uh suckling pigs at so that was mm-hmm. and we had a suckling pig mm-hmm. for supper yeah that was in madrid yeah it was it was a very fun trip we wow. we we went to Pompeii too. We, oh, we Pompeii, saw, of course. We went to Pompeii in Italy and saw lizards yeah, there too. Lizards. So we, we herped Pompeii. <laughs> so there's this there's this duality here between mummified people and and herps. Yes, and great food and food. Okay, yeah. we'll call mm-hmm. it a, we'll call it a triad. Those are our three favorite things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah skulls and yeah, and then when we got to Lima. Um, yeah, we got to Lima and we went to... On this trip. On this trip. And uh, we immediately went to the um, the ossuary here. Yeah, and that was that was really cool, too. And... Yeah. The catacombs at the Franciscan Monastery, um, yeah, in Lima, it was... They, you didn't get to see as many bones, but there were... We got to see some, and there was some mm-hmm. cool pathology, so that was fun. Yeah, that was really great. Um and the art was really interesting, too, because it was like we had seen all this amazing art. Oh, we saw Napoleon's grave when we were in Europe. So that was another dead thing. And then, um, um, but the art, you know, of course, is incredible. And like a statue of David, I I was I was not prepared for how moving I would find that experience. Um, yeah, it was just absolutely incredible. But then the the religious art in Lima was like they had a painting of the Last Supper. But there were like little South American additions into it. Um, like somebody put like a hot pepper on the table. Um, and uh, what else was there? There was a monkey in one of them. So it was, you know, you could, it was just really interesting to see how South America shaped the religious art that was so similar being brought over, you know, of course, with Spain. Um Yeah, but to see those Peruvian kind of influences and to see how much more connected um art was to nature like when i was in london for that 24 hours it was like it was the day that they opened up um buckingham palace for tours so i was like well i guess i better do that and there was some there were people that came from all over the world for this and i just happened to luck into it and paid my whatever 50 pounds and got in um but i'm not super into the monarchy you know despite being canadian and some of us are um, and they offered this like audio tour that you could take with you. Um, it was like five pounds. I was like, nah, I'm too cheap. I'm not paying five pounds to listen to, you know, that. And I've heard that the queen does a narration though. 
Well, <laughs> maybe she did, maybe. <laughs> but I've, I have no idea. All I know is that it was like a bunch of zombies walking through this palace because they're all listening to this. You could hear a pin drop. And I had no idea what was going on, but I'd get into every room and it was just like old white people art. There was no animals, there were even dogs. So I just zipped through all the rooms. They, they said to leave three hours for this tour. It was then 45 minutes and then wanted to go herping. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was cool. Just uh, all portraits? Yeah, like just all all portraits and sometimes like action portraits, but really nothing like that represented like the natural history. Okay. You know, and and I really I really really noticed that um in London, like just nothing that represented kind of the countryside or the animals that would have once lived there or even hunting, you know, or even mm. hunting dogs. So it was it was really interesting. Mm. Okay. So uh I I I kind of get the whole touring Europe Europe herping tour. Um I'd love to do. I'd love to go to Spain and, and spend some time there. I haven't been there yet, um, but the idea that you can combine Europe gives you this unique opportunity to combine numerous things together. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. When we went to Greece, you know, it, I went to the Acropolis twice, uh, and um, of course, uh, the food there is fabulous, and then the herbs were fabulous. So it was a nice. I didn't see. I don't think I saw any dead people. <laughs> or you know, mummies or anything, but uh, maybe next time. But, but it was a nice, yeah, it was a nice blend of all kinds. We've of inspired things. you. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Sure. Uh, but it's funny that you can do that. But you know, if you come down here, uh, it's pretty much all herping right here where we're at. So yeah, it is. It's it's kind of funny because it's kind of come full circle when I first went to Peru and. 2005, I was looking for, you know, a newly described species of tarantula, and I wasn't really into herbs yet. Um, But seeing um, a tarantula in the wild for the first time, uh, because I hadn't even been to Arizona at this point. So seeing a tarantula. You went to Peru before you went to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I did. Okay. Anyway, continue. And, uh, and so to tickle like this, like spider out of its burrow and to see them in the wild I got home and I sold most of my collection of spiders. Um, I still have a few, like just, you know, representatives that kind of, you know, help me survive the long winter. Um, but other than for me, the magic is, is seeing these animals in the wild and seeing them in their habitat and, um, and coming to Peru and seeing that like popped that balloon for me where keeping things in captivity did not do it for me. And, um, and so now when I keep things, you know what, it's, it's, you know, I'm one of those people like to have live plants in the terrarium and to kind of re recreate as best as I can. Um, so I've, I've really, I've never kept snakes, you know, cause I had already discovered that, that that's what I like to see is I like to see the natural history. So then once I started herping the very next year, um, there was really no desire to have snakes in a, in a terrarium. It's just for me, it's getting out there and, and it's it's absolutely magical where you get to see these animals, like especially like when we found the Bushmaster this trip. And to Uh-oh, see it secrets out. Oh no. Really? Bushmaster. Was that a surprise? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a, I'm sorry. Um, but to then see it drinking water. So, you know, to see something like, you know, in a in a in a deli cup or, you know, you'd see that it's not exhibiting its natural behavior because you've you've affected it. Um, it's still cool to see it, but it's like a two out of ten. But when you when you see an animal in its natural environment and you just get to witness it rather than 
direct what it's doing and seeing that like that for me that made the trip it absolutely made the trip then it'll be something i remember forever i actually had a similar um kind of experience because i kept tarantulas but then in like 2009 i was taking college classes i hadn't i hadn't finished my degree i didn't actually really know what i wanted to do um and someone i knew through through arachnids um, was like, you should take this summer course on arachnology mm-hmm. through Angelo State University. Um, so for some reason, they let me in. And I, the the professor told me later, he's like, well, I just needed to fill the class. So I, he he let me in knowing nothing about me that other than I kept pet tarantulas. And so he there was me and another um, uh, woman he let in. Just we were he called us spider petters because we had kept him as Spider yeah and he just he just i mean it sounds terrible he just figured we would bomb but we would make the class for his students who needed it so um and it ended up being we go out the very first day and um flip a log and there's a, a bark scorpion and, and i'm looking at these two students from the university who i'm thinking must know what they're talking about and i was like and they're like oh, i wonder what it is i was like well it's centroides batatis and they're like what and i was like yeah like you don't you don't know this <laughs> and um kind of i mean this don't sound braggy but i kind of blew the class out of the water because a lot of stuff i already knew um a lot of stuff i didn't you know but um it it really it was kind of my first introduction to like i could do this from a science perspective and professionally like in and research these animals and you know know more about them and from then on yeah keeping them in captivity to me was just less interesting. Like I certainly respect people who, who like that. That's, that's great. It was just all of a sudden, not my thing anymore. And, and so, not everybody's yeah. able to, you know, gallivant around. Yes. The world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate if, as long as you love the animals, that's, you know, right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you have, you still have plenty in common with those folks. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah. So then that, at that point, I I really didn't know what my major was going to be, and at that point, it was just like biology, and um, so I then got my bachelor's in biology and went on to grad school, and um, yeah, it, it really that really kind of changed, you know, my course of my life was, but it was definitely kind of just around the fact that I liked these weird scary animals that most of the public doesn't like. Yeah. And so there's this one chance class that you take mm-hmm. as a spider petter. <laughs> <laughs> and change yeah. the whole your whole trajectory. Yeah. And or at least firmed up your ideas. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um it was great. I mean we went we did field trips to for anybody familiar with West Texas, um the Devil's River, which is on Juno Road. I love the Devil's River. Yeah. Phenomenal. We still got to stay on a private ranch there um, and herped and and looked for arachnids. Um, West Texas is one of the few places in the world where you can get every order of arachnids, um, or nearly, um, which is really cool. We can't get rice and ulids, um, but they are south of the border, not far. What's a rice and ulid? Um, a weird-looking tick thing. I, they're different than ticks, but they're these little... It's like if you imagined a beetle and a tick were crossed... Oh, with some okay. armor, extra armor on the head, that's a rice and nula. Very weird little arachnid. Like a dish, like I'd eat at a restaurant. A rice, <laughs> like a rice and noodle thing, like a good fusion rice dish. And San Francisco. <laughs> but 
But anyway, we and then we went to Black Cap. Um, and so we got to stay there and also herped in at night and hiked and um, looked for arachnids and, you know, found giant sulfugids, camel spiders. Um, and it was just it was really cool because that was my first real introduction to the field. Um, and then then I started going for kind of spiders, but then I started going for herps. So, yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So we're at eight countries and counting, and I don't know how many. Oh, we tend to get tattoos on our trips. So we've had like a number of, we've gotten tattoos together in Canada, Spain, and the U.S. so far, I think. Yeah. But yeah. not the Vatican? No, I don't. I didn't see a lot of tattoo artists there. <laughs> but like, honestly, it would make the place a lot more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I would not let her get a tattoo in Lima before. <laughs> no, she, but she didn't want one. You know, but I, but I was at our hotel in Lima, and, and I walk out in the morning, and just down the street were like five tattoo parlors in a row, and I was like, no, Sherry. Yeah, she texts me. She got there first. <laughs> we are not getting a tattoo before we go to the jungle, but we do have a six-hour layover, so you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Never know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it's probably a good idea coming out here because you know we we do expose our skins to all kinds of. Uh, <clears throat> all kinds of organisms. So. Yeah, they do. Yeah. How's the, how's the trip down? What are your experiences been down here? Your first. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's been great. <laughs> it's Yeah. I mean, it started with, I brought her Christmas presents, and I've never seen somebody so miffed, look at her, <laughs> to get Christmas presents. But uh, but it's because she now has, like, the burden of, because I had, like, a, a painting of a pigeon commissioned for her to commemorate our, our Europe trip. And her pigeon fetish. Yeah, the pigeon the pigeon <laughs> fetish that just, you know, endured throughout uh Europe. So so I brought it. So I picked it up and I've I've got it in a full I've got it cardboard and then in a folder and I was just so excited to give it to her. And then I have a, a an iron squirrel hanger thing because squirrels are Squirrels are a thing for us. We have our favorite selfie, which we both have framed in our houses. It's just us posing. It was like three in the morning in the Rocky Mountains of Canada with a, a roadkilled squirrel. We're just like <laughs> grinning from ear to ear. So I've we seen have a picture. It's a great picture. Yeah. So we have some squirrel track tattoos. And anyway, so I saw the squirrel and I was like, well, I have to bring it, but it's heavy. So anyway, so I give her a guest, super excited to show them to her, you know? And she's like, uh, I'm going to have to carry these around the jungle for like a week. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you are. So anyway, so that's how the trip started. But, uh, and then, uh, and then first night in, in our, our Tembo. Tembo, yes. Yes. Um, we had a big uh, Brazilian wandering spider. So we have an awesome three minute video of how to like capture that. Um, oh, yeah, we, we videoed us capturing it. I propped up my phone, and it's it's pretty entertaining. I'll post that as soon as we get home. <laughs> Can't wait to see that. And, uh, yeah, I know that we've, we've had, you know, we had a lot of hiking. You know, of course, we got the secret Bushmaster, which isn't a secret anymore. Um, and that was amazing. And then um, things that electric eels is what made the trip for you well, right away, first night. Yeah. What was that like? I... It just, oh my God, they're so cool. Like, what a cool, weird species. And I already just am obsessed mm -hmm. with freshwater eels because they're so 
bizarre and mysterious and like you know they're these living mythological creatures and so to see an you know another one is um was very cool so i decided you know i'm i'm very laid back and happy and and i don't i don't believe in getting skunked because i saw i'll just something is cool there's mm-hmm. always going to be something cool and so the first night we saw electric eels and i was like well the trip is made it can only get better from here mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how kind of i operate and, and i mean they're they were just it the this big one comes up out of the water and you see this giant head and with and it almost looked like a catfish head but then you see this huge long tail i mean it was probably like at least a six foot eel like it was big and i it was awe-inspiring yeah wow i have yet to see them oh really not yeah so Mm -hmm. hopefully i'll see them in next week as i start my second tour uh, and our poor friend Dermot dropped his flash in the electric <laughs> eel pool, and that is nobody's reaching in there for that one. No, we we tried to get creative. Like you ran up to the car and tried to get tongs, and that water was deeper than what it looked. And yeah, so but people have been uh, sharing with him. I think so. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's good. But uh, but I, I I don't know if he's told his wife yet. But that was his Christmas gift from his wife this year. So Aww. yeah, yeah. So. Um, and it's then, probably going off intermittently. <laughs> the eels, like, what is this? Probably courting it. <laughs> They're keeping it charged. <laughs> well, Sky, you also got the chance to see some dolphins. Yes, I did. We we went birding one morning because I am also a birder now. Um, thanks to my mom, <laughs> forced me into birding, and now I like it. Um. And so we went birding one morning, and we were just about ready to turn around. We're talking about, all right, we're done. And then river dolphins. And I started crying. I'm going to cry, like, just thinking about them. Um, We got to see two species, the gray ones, and we got to see the pink ones. Like, pretty good views for a while. Um, And that was just really, really special. Um, I've been to China, and I've been um, on the Yangtze River, and the Yangtze River dolphin is extinct and so they've declared it extinct. And so it was like when we're on that river, also like the Yangtze paddlefish and, you know, so many things. It feels like being on like this river of ghosts and for, yeah. for you know, someone who's in conservation biology. And so I kept, you know, thinking that. And then so getting to see them, you know, river dolphins here just made them like extra special. So I, I was crying the whole time. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty. They're pretty cool. Yeah, I I've never met anybody who wasn't enthralled with when they see their their first river dolphin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a highlight for sure. Um, yeah, the bushmaster for sure for me. I remember after like my first jungle trip and then getting into herps, um, and like telling my kids stories about the jungle and talking so much about the bushmaster. And both the boys were like pretty enthralled with, you know, the whole Bushmaster thing. So in one of our houses, I actually had a mural of a Bushmaster in the Peruvian jungle painted on our kitchen wall. So that's what, you know, we saw, you know, so for me, like the Bushmaster was a big moment. Um, And then after that, I had two like unexpected species that I absolutely fell in love with. And the first was the giant snail. And those like that, if, if, if you were like on the fence, like should I come to the jungle or not? 
let the snail push you over the edge because it is <laughs> the most charismatic little. Well, it may little, take a while, but you do go over. <laughs> you do very slowly, but they they are amazing and um, just absolutely, I adore them. And, and when we're talking about giant snails. It's it, the shell is about I would say it's about the size of a baseball or yeah, larger or larger, larger, but yeah, and then just their bodies and they're just they're adorable, and then um, and then the monkey frogs. I, I which should be called sloth frogs. Like I, oh yeah, and then the red wines. <laughs> so I bought this like cheap, cheap Peruvian wine, um, like in a in a scramble because we had to go buy batteries, and I was like, oh, maybe they have wine because I just you know I was like I could just picture having a nice Peruvian supper out here and having a nice glass of red wine. Anyway, very excited to get my two bottles of red wine, bring it out here, and we have this wonderful, knowledgeable personable guide named Christoph, um who is he's been on the show oh okay he's been on the show so as you know um he's he's swiss uh from the german-speaking part of switzerland so he's a german accent so they're all shooting stuff outside the lodge one day and i see this you know they handling this nice gorgeous snake and i was like oh what is that and he's like that's a red wine snake and i was like oh that's my snake then like this <laughs> this is my snake so i'm playing with it i'm like it's a red wine snake it's like the color of red wine red wine's my very favorite thing it is it is it does have some nice purpley right red wine it, it made uh, sense colors. nothing you know and then somebody whispers you're like he speaks german it's a red vine snake <laughs> So, anyway, that's my favorite, like, non-venomous but snake. here, now. probably for the rest of my life, it is now a red wine snake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lots of good moments. Good. And so the birds down here, what was the big bird for you, uh, Scotty? Oh, I don't, you know, I don't even know. It was just, um, well, I love potus. So we did hear a great to call but not the song because the song is like Wah, like <laughs> just Wah. there you go <laughs> i can't do the noise but um the owls we got to see some great owls it was more for me like the the challenge of identifying new birds and i'm not good at identifying them by sight so i'm trying to figure them out you know by song which probably some people think is harder but like i enjoy a lot so um yeah I don't, I don't know that I could have a favorite. Um, the Anis, the great Anis, or greater Anis, when they when they rattle, is pretty cool. Is there? Uh, I'm sorry. We were just talking about this. Uh, Kiss Kitty just came down and picked up a small snake out of the grass. <laughs> oh, are you kidding just me? Just went up into the tree with it. Here he comes back. Oh, I want to see the snake. It's just a little thing. I can't tell, couldn't tell what it was. He's, it doesn't have it anymore? Huh. I don't know. Wow. That was wild. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we interrupt this natural history moment. Natural history moment. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. We, I'll bet you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was screaming victory. <clears throat> very, very cool. Wow. Okay. That was different. Um, where were we talking about? We're all like about? in awe of just watching these kiskities now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here comes a blue morpho butterfly. Like, I mean, this place is just so much life. Maybe it was an aquatic coral because there's like just water down there. Yeah, it, it is. There is some water in there. And maybe it's, I don't know, but it was a very small thing. So, oh. huh. Wow. Okay. Well, anyway, um, 
But yeah, so other highlights of the trip for me would be um, the ants in my bed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really a a low light, honestly, for me. Like, I'm glad that that was entertaining for you. (laughs) Well, you had some ants nesting in the frame. Yeah, some ants nested in the frame of my bed. And I'm laying there one day and I see this ant, well, yesterday, and I see this ant, or the day before yesterday, I don't even know, I've lost track of time. But I see this ant kind of crawl up from the side of the bed and then go back down. And I was like, oh, that's weird. So I lift the mattress and there's a lot of ants. So I just set the mattress back down <laughs> and go and find Matt Cage. <laughs> Matt, there are ants in my bed. <laughs> and I don't think they understood. They they thought I meant under, like on the floor. And uh, so we they treated the floor, but I, I went back and lifted the mattress and the ants were still there so i set the mattress back down and i went up to the to the main um hall and and poor christoph is in there and he's just found a baby tree boa and he is elated <laughs> and i'm the first person he's encountered he's got this gorgeous baby tree boa and he's like look what i found i was like that's great but there are still ants in my bed and I, he just i could just see him just deflate <laughs> <laughs> Poor Krista. I know. He and he had to come and it took us about thirty minutes to to clean him out and stomp on all of them and and make it safe to sleep. Yeah. Good lord. And last night, poor Sherry. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just I mean, out falling asleep, can't keep my eyes open. And she suddenly she goes, There's an ant in my bed. And what did I what did I say? And you said, just kill it. <laughs> there are probably more. Good night. And immediately starts snoring. And I'm like, like this ant has breached the safety of my mosquito netting. So <laughs> anyway, so it took me a couple hours to fall asleep. I'm looking everywhere. I'm looking under the bed. Oh, yeah, I did ask you. Should I pull up the mattress? And you're like, no. And that's when you said there's probably more. And I was like, this is the most unreassuring thing i have ever heard so and good night i don't remember much of this (laughs) you did the same thing to me when we had the bear in our camp yes that's what so our very first camping trip we've talked about the very last night so she's been telling bear attack stories the entire time and i'm getting less and less sleep throughout this trip (laughs) and so the last night we are exhausted and and we're in camp and that morning we've been hiking and they were in the chiricahuas we've been hiking and We'd come across very fresh bear scat and like bear sign and um, we could hear it. We could kind of hear it in the woods, you know, scrambling in the bush and like the whole time. And um, so, of course, I'm and I was yelling. All I had was a pocket knife and a hook and I was yelling at it. I was like, if you come near me, I'll call Captain Hook on your ass (laughs) (laughs) because Sherry's like, make noise. I'm like yelling about my hook. Um, (laughs) I'm like, I know exactly what to do. I just read the book. (laughs) So that night we're in camp. I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm just bared out and something starts (laughs) pounding on the, on the bear box. And Sherry's like, what is that? I just went, it's a raccoon. And then fell asleep. (laughs) I'm laying there. Like I'm from Canada. Like we have bears everywhere. I'm like, that is not a raccoon. I'm actually, I'm like, Sky, I really don't think that's a raccoon. There's nothing, nothing from her side of the tent. And I'm listening there. My eyes are like saucers. And I'm like, all right, we were so tired. We set up camp. Like, I'm not even sure where the door of the tent is, where the vehicle is, or like, 
Anyway, so I just sat there listening to this bear for like an hour. And then uh, I'm not sure I got any sleep at all. And then our very next, well, not our very next, but then we did a couple dedicated bearing trips yeah. after that. So <laughs> I'm getting the idea that uh, if you're very close to sleep, it don't talk to you. I will just lie. <laughs> just just lie. And, or or make, not even lie. You, you'll just tell the truth, which is sometimes worse. <laughs> If somebody's going to be something, like, you know, if you, if you heard somebody breaking into your house, they'd be like, yeah, that's a serial killer from down the road. It has a nine-inch night knife. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> that's what it's like. <laughs> I, and the raccoon, my brain just could, I knew it was a bear. But, like, I was not going to be able to sleep if I acknowledged that it was a bear. So I just was like, it's a raccoon. <laughs> that was the only way I could sleep. <laughs> Oh boy! So you went bear. You had bear. You did bear trips together. To what for grizzly bears or black bears or what kind of bears? Both, both bears. <laughs> this one we uh, grizzly especially, but like we're happy to see any bears. But then um, you have grizzlies up by where you live, right? Yeah. So we uh, and and where I live, it's not illegal to bait them for photography. So do you remember that concoction we made? Yeah. Like everything, every condiment in the fridge came out, you know, and we just, we just made a sandwich meat and anything that we thought could possibly draw in a grizzly bear went into this soup. (laughs) (laughs) Then we hiked it out. We left the bait there. We kept coming back. There were no bears, but there were a lot of flies. Um, But we did get, I think, a long-toed salamander, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not with the bait, just no, yeah, no, we didn't aren't going <laughs> <laughs> they really like barbecue sauce, haven't you tried? <laughs> New technique for getting long toed supplements. <laughs> yeah, and then there's just so many, you know, and like if you've anybody that's done a hurricane trip ever and you just lose for too long and you're at that point of like you know, you have the well, you have the, the stupid giggles, and everything is ridiculously funny. And that's about ten minutes before you go into total zombie mode. So we've gotten pretty good at capitalizing on like the giggle fests, but then knowing that we're going to crash immediately after, and then you, you have to let your you know zombie mode. So uh, we've had a lot of late nights where it's just been nothing but ridiculous laughs. And I'm, I'm I wish we'd recorded some of those conversations, but I'm also glad we didn't. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we call it getting punchy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the dead squirrel selfie was one of those punchy, punchy moments. moments. We were looking for wolves, cruising for wolves in oh, yeah. Canmore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You could cruise for wolves? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a fun place to go. See, you should come to Canada. <laughs> you're you're convincing me. I, I, I have this childhood phobia of bears that probably should try to get over. No, I will. I will try not to make it worse. Actually, <laughs> I'll I'll read like a bear on attack store book before you get there. <laughs> yeah, I need to Grizzly Adams or watch Grizzly Adams or something before I do that. Well, what you guys have some ideas for what you want to do in the future together? Future trips? Yes, Africa is big. Um, so we're we were we were hoping to go this um this summer, but uh, we just don't have enough time to to plan it or to really save up for it after doing Europe and then Peru. So I think we're going to try and do Africa the summer after. So we'll have a lot of fun researching that. And then you're coming to 
Canada to do your family's doing a Rocky Mountain tour. So nothing that I haven't done with her already, but it'll be fun to to see her family again. And I still haven't seen a grizzly bear actually. So okay. yeah. So I have to I have to do you that. Have to do that. And in Africa, you obviously you want to see the big charismatic megafauna, but maybe some herps too. The honey badger is my target for um for South Africa. Um, but no, we want to do the great white sharks and then um, the megafauna, obviously, and just anything we can see. So like a herp focus tour would be also cool at some point. But um, yeah, I just, I mean, just all the shows that I grew up watching, you know, I just want to see it all as much as I can. I just want to soak it all up. Okay. I, no, I, you said honey badger. And all I could think of was that guy on YouTube that no. had the honey badger and he did the over... Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, I love, love badgers. They're my, like, the North American badger is my favorite mammal. So. What's not to like? Right. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, no, I've met her family, too. Like, I went to her brother's bar mitzvah in Florida. And we've herped Everglades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've. Yeah. yeah. We we took my little brother kayaking in the Everglades and, and herping. And I think he slept for most of the herping part. He was. That was when I was 13. Yeah, it was bar mitzvah trip. So, yeah, he was tired. Um, he was tired. And, yeah, so it'll be cool. It'll be family stuff and kind of laid back. And, um, and, then, and then Africa. And then, I don't know. Um, I really want to get her to Mexico. I've been telling her Alamos. Mm-hmm. And so I would really like to go back there. Yeah. So okay. we did go to um, Boquillos. Oh, yeah. I took them to Boquillas when they came to West Texas. So we rode, rode the, the burros across and, or, you know, and took the boat across and rode the burros. And her boys really liked that. So, yeah. Very but cool. they need to go to some more. Yeah. We, well, we did the family trip to Baja Sur and I got um, Enio Cretalis, Enio Enio, and Cretalis Ruber Lucasensis. So I got pretty lucky with getting just on my own two species down there. So. Nice. Um, but no, I haven't really, I haven't herped mainland Mexico at all. You'll enjoy it. I bet. I love it. Uh, it reminds me too that you're, you're, you just need two more species of rattlesnakes in the United States, right? Which is one of the reasons you're going to Florida. Well, actually, I guess I, so I need three. So I I need three. So next month is Florida. So hopefully finally for my Eastern Diamondback would be my fifth attempt. Um, I've yeah, I've put in quite a bit of time, so I've got ten days to put in a lot more time, and it's a good time of year. So fingers crossed, and you know, the fall else fails, I'll have a key lime milkshake at Robert is here, and that uh, can pick up anyone's spirits. But uh, and then I can also we just take a moment and think about that. Yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> that was a good moment. Um. Yeah, and lime. I love anything lime. She has sent me so many lime things. Your country produces an impressive amount of of lime food, lime cookies, lime gum, lime chips, lime everything. And Canada doesn't produce anything lime. So I will get these like care packages of just lime stuff. So um, that's been really appreciated over the years. But yeah, so I need um, I need a, a Crotalus abyssus. Um, okay. And so do you, yeah, too. Yes. Um, we've we've made the attempts. We we have the right spots. We've done the right things. We just haven't gotten lucky for that one yet. And I still need Obscurus as well. 
Um, and then other than that, like I'm, I'm, and then it's Mexico bound. <laughs> okay. All right. Obscurus, that's, that's a tough one in, in the United States. Y- yeah. Most people know. But I, I don't, I would, I'd be fine with getting it in Mexico. So. Okay. All right. And then there's a much, many more rattlesnakes to find in Mexico. So. Yeah, that will be, uh, I've avoided even looking at the books because I know once I do, like that'll be it. I'll be in Mexico all the time. So, uh, yeah, but I, I think we're there. Okay. So I guess we got a pretty good idea where you guys are headed in the future. (laughs) I think so. Plus the occasional dead person tour. Yeah. Here and there. Like Eastern Europe's also. Yeah. Has some good ones. So. What about Egypt and, you know, the, the. Yeah. We really wanted to do Egypt. I got so excited planning this trip. So I'd done this. This is when I thought we could just see all these countries. And then I realized when I started going through it better, like I've been an eternal optimist and I had listed like the same day several times. Like, so it said like July 24th, July 24th, July 24th. <laughs> so I was like, wow, like we are, we're really going to make the most of our time. And then I actually looked at it and I was like, oh yeah, classic mistake. Um, but we we may do that with like a bigger a bigger group because they're you know being two women um and two you know non-traditional appearing women with tattoos and at the time you had like partially shaved head and green hair and you know um like visible like neck tattoos and stuff um there are some countries where as much as we hate to say it, it would make more sense for us to go in a larger group, maybe with some men as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's still what things you got to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, definitely one day. And then, um, call me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call you. <laughs> uh, India is big for me eventually. Thailand, I would love to go to. Um, yeah. And Africa, not just South Africa, but South Africa mm-hmm. seems like a good starting point because we both really want to see the white sharks breaching yeah. the water. Oh, that's off of. Johannesburg in that area? Yeah. C- Cape Town. Cape Town, I'm yeah. sorry. Right. So. Yeah. And the only place where they're known to like fully breach. So. Oh. Yeah. So you go out. Do they have, they, I'm sure they have shark tours. You go out. And- yeah. There's boat tours. There's many of them. Um, and then some of them also do um, diving. So cage diving um, with the sharks. Is that a particular time of the, of the year? Uh, yes. So, so it's not the ideal herping time. It's winter down there so which is our summer yeah um so like july august um which so herping down there at that time it's not great but it's for the sharks and the megafauna fine to see it's actually a really good time for the megafauna because yeah they're in the water supply so they're kind of concentrated around what exists so yeah, um, but you'll still find incidental herps. But if we went to that time of year, that just wouldn't be the goal. But that's one of the reasons I love traveling um, with Sky is because we both love just the habitat. It's not just the herps; it's everything. It's everything from like you know the trees to the moss to the invertebrates to the mammal, like mm-hmm. all of it. Um, and it's it's truly you know a pleasure to to herp with her for that reason. And, um, and none, and neither of us get too fixated on the, the photography either, which, you know, could also be a stumbling block because, you know, when you've got really dedicated photographers herping together, that's great because they can sit there for three hours and, and fiddle with things. But, you know, we fiddle for about three minutes. We're ready to go and find the next critter. So, yeah. Yeah. I get your point. And I, I have to say that having been on these trips where 
It's it's just boom, 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 nonstop, nonstop. Eat a granola bar, keep going. After a while, I get I get a little tired of it. I, I've I've come to enjoy the trips where there's there's good food and yes. time to do some other things. Yeah. Maybe see, you know, like what the police we went to the Parthenon, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I went I went to Taiwan with uh, my friends Kevin Caldwell and and Bill Murphy and nice. And I call those guys uh, they're they're gentlemen herpers of leisure because mm-hmm. you know you know we stopped we had stopped for good food. Yeah, you know we stopped at a mountain stream and had a swim. We just enjoyed the day, the, you know, the whole experience, and, and it, it, you know, I, I find that I, I prefer that where you let's let's eat here, at, you know, let's stop at this fruit stand and, and uh, let's you know, let's go for a swim, let's do all the things that we we can do while we're here. So I, I learned to appreciate that. I've started um, getting really bad migraines, so I I can't physically go 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 like I used to, just run myself into the ground. Um, because if I tried that now, I'd last three days, you know, maximum. And so now it's like I have to slow down, even just hike slower, you know. And I, But I I found that, like, I enjoy that. I don't end up in pain. And I, to me, I see more interesting things. Like, I mean, I'm still thinking about those tiny pink umbrella mushrooms you found Ugh. the other day. They were just so minuscule and perfect and beautiful, you know. And those are the things yeah. you would, if you're just... Going for herps and scanning for herps, you miss some of those these right. tiny little things that are so interesting. So, which and I, I mean, not I don't mean that to sound judgmental. Like that's fine, you know. But it just I have found that that works for me. And to go slow and look at everything, and then and then take a day to enjoy some food, to read my book, like you know stuff like that. Yeah, I, I find too like that more well rounded approach for me at least makes me feel more connected you know, to the the country I'm in as a whole. Um, and I, I, I think that maybe makes us um, better advocates for conservation when we can, you know, understand, like, even from a societal point of view, like, what are some of the pressures and why? Why are these pressures? Um, you know, and then you can really kind of dig into it, um, which, you know, it's always a balancing act. Like, how am I using my my tourist dollars and am I using them wisely? Am I just you know, at the, the very least, you know, you don't want to leave a place worse than what, when, how, how you found it. But if there's any opportunity to make it better, um, you know, then I, and then I would really like to try and think of those things. But I think getting to know a little bit about the people and the land is one of the best ways to at least start that. Yeah, I like that because, it, you know, you can come into some place and be utterly focused on some organism and miss miss the human inter- interactions and uh, e- e- opportunities to make friends, just opportunities to talk to other people and and you know maybe get to know them a little better. And then you you carry all that back home. And what if you know it's it seems kind of self centered, you know. Mm-hmm. And for me, as an ecologist, just I, I'm very interested in in spatial aspects of ecology and how the land shapes movement of animals and how human use of the land shapes movement of animals. Mm -hmm. Um, So like to me, getting to know the whole landscape is part of just kind of what I was trained for in, in science. And to me, I'm, as we hike, you know, I'm thinking about the streams and, you know, all of this stuff in a, in a broader scale of like how, and how we use that all how it affects the animals so so i like that too going slow getting to know the landscape because i'm 
I'm thinking on this landscape kind of scale. You can't help but think that way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because you are a scientist. Yes. So, so I know. And I've, I was, we don't use that word much, but you really are a scientist. Oh. Okay. You're, you're really, uh, science is your, is your thing. I mean, you, it's not, it's not just, oh, I'm a, you know, I teach anatomy. That's not really your, how you define yourself. You're, yeah. You're interested in questions and, yes. and finding answers and, and collecting data. Yes. And, and I've, um, I mean, I've published some, you know, um, so I do think of myself as a scientist. I'm doing active research right now. The pandemic actually kind of put a big kibosh on that, but it's something I, you know, will be planning on doing again. And I mean, I, I, I think in maps, like I've already, because <laughs> y'all have already figured out that I'm already like mapping this place in my head. And, you know, like, so I, I am a big, you know, GIS and spatial person. And so I'm, I think in maps and that's my big, yeah, my, my future research goals are kind of landscape level animal movement and habitat use and things like that. So another good reason to go to South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Big opportunities to see that happening across the landscape. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I don't, let's see. What else do I want to know about you two? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm covered in ants. So if y'all hear weird noises, it's me trying to get the ants off of me. Covered with ants. Little ants, not the big ants that were in my bed. These are these are little ants. Okay. How did you get through all that research in Big Bend? You, you spent all those days out on the trail without without it bothering your your. You didn't get triggered by migraines then. I didn't get the migraines then. No, no. I probably hiked. I probably hiked six to seven hundred miles of of Big Bend of. 450 square kilometers of Big Bend, I should say. So I know 450 square kilometers of that park extremely well. Extremely well. <laughs> and then uh, the rest of it, not at all. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't get migraines then. I thought you were going to mean about the ants, and I just I just bled a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let you gia. If you've ever hiked in, I know people talk about jumping Choya and stuff in the Sonoran Desert, but if you've ever hiked in the Chihuahuan Desert, like I, I would take that Choya over shin daggers, like Lechugia every, every day. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I think we're about done. Um, I'm running out of questions to talk to you. I'm glad to, <clears throat> I'm just so glad you, we finally got a chance to sit down and talk because we've had to postpone this a little bit because we've all had, but not feeling too well. <laughs> I was trying to understatement to of the avoid year. that elephant. <laughs> um, well, you know, anytime you travel to another country, yes, um, you run the danger of, of things that, like that happening, and it, yeah. it could be France. Uh, this today it's Peru. So we mm -hmm. had we all had a little bug, and uh, it might have been brought <laughs> in by somebody, one of our one of our people. We don't know, but. Uh, but we're all feeling better. And yes, so, much better. Yeah. So the trip's just about <laughs> wound down, and you guys are getting ready to head back. Uh, head back home. Let's see. Tomorrow. Is yeah. Tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we both go back to work in two days. Like, bright and early, the morning of the 16th. On so. Monday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Today's Saturday, I think. Is today Saturday? No, tomorrow's no, no, no. Saturday. So tomorrow you fly out. Okay. <laughs> As long as you know. <laughs> <laughs> we usually have it where we leave 
every trip we schedule to leave on a Saturday. That's the only way I can keep track of time. So yeah, time does kind of get lost here. I've had heard many people be like, "What day is it? What's what's the date? What's the day?" <laughs> Nobody knows Nobody anything. Knows, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how it goes down here, and things kind of run together. Mm-hmm. Time is, you know, and it's just kind of how people. We're so used to being. Um, in a world where you know exactly what time it is anytime and you go from this thing to that thing and this date, uh, this uh, appointment to that meeting to, you know, so we're always stepping stone through time during our day. But here it's just like, I don't know, I read a book for a couple hours. I can't, uh, do we have lunch? I forgot. Actually, I think that's part, maybe one of the most valuable um, aspects of being down here, you know, is the disconnection. And like the first day or two, it's a bit of an adjustment, especially if you're normally in contact with like your kids, like, you know, I am, um, you know, so to kind of let that go and get back to like just the way it used to be. Like I've been really enjoying reading and like my attention span um, is better now. Um, So yeah, to get away from these kind of devices and just like, you know, connect with yourself um, and then also with others in like in a, in a different, more personal way, particularly after our experience with like COVID for so long is really meaningful. And uh, yeah, this morning at breakfast, we were, we were all wondering where the origin of jinx, like if you yeah. say something at the same time as someone else, you know, jinx, you owe me a Coke or if you're Canadian, a beer. <laughs> um, and we were all like, oh, I wonder where that came from. And then we all just sat there quietly for a second, contemplating it because we couldn't Google. <laughs> it was great. Totally were there. Yeah. You know, it's so many. That's yeah. happened all the, every day. Somebody will bring up some actor and they're like, oh, you know. He was in, uh, or you know, whatever it was, and, and it's like, well, you know, before p- people would have their phones out and they'd have the answer within, you know, seconds. And I, I really thought, I really thought that in the past, before we had these magical little machines, we could just look this stuff up in, um, that that's where a lot of our like urban legends and stuff came from, um, because there was no way to check. So there's just probably just someone that just wanted an answer, or they wanted to be a know-it-all, or just made it up, um, but then. You know, the internet happened, and instead of getting better, <laughs> it got worse. So um, it's kind of nice to be around people that are just comfortable not knowing. Yeah, I have to agree with that. <laughs> I don't, there's a lot, I don't know a lot of stuff. I don't even know what I don't know. You know. So. Oh, God, <laughs> either. <laughs> uh, I guess you'll be glad to not have ants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm mildly allergic to them. So that is the that was the other thing with them being in my bed is I was like, I'm gonna get real real bad bites. But they did they weren't fighty, so that was okay. I probably shared my bed with them for like four nights and didn't know it. Didn't yeah. know it. Okay. That's that's the tropics. That's what Christoph said. He just looked at me and goes, It's the tropics and shrugged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is it's a great place to visit, but I think in terms of like living, I'm more of a prairie and desert kind of girl, but great, great, wonderful, magical, beautiful place to visit. Yes. Well, I hope I get a chance someday to come up your way and yes. and and you can show me the prairie rattlesnake stuff and maybe a, a bear. And the Narcisse snake dens. Like it could be a good trip, right? I've been inviting the like, I've like Sky is the only one that's actually come to Canada to hurt with me. Um but I've, I'm sure I've invited hundreds of people over the years. Well, I, I had a, an aborted trip to the Narcisse Dens hmm. 
five, six years ago. So maybe I'll make the attempt again and yeah, and, we'll, we'll uh, make it happen. I'll be in contact with you on that. So and then it would also be fun to see a garter snake like at the most like the most northern extent of any snake in North America, mm-hmm. at the very edge of its range would be kind of cool too. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. things to do. And rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. Rattlesnakes. And so what we lack sort of in, in, in diversity, we do have in, in density. Um, and it's it's fun. You've herped in Canada. Tell them it's okay. It's it's okay. <laughs> Can you make it sound better, please? A little better. It's it no, it is really, really fun. Um the one place she took me, it's like these badlands and the view is incredible. I am also like a prairie and desert rat type person and um so I enjoy the fact that you could see for many, many miles without trees. Um and which is we're hiking these badlands and you find the snakes in the dens and fossils. Lots of dinosaur fossils are found in this area, like T Rex skeletons, you know? So there's that. Yeah. It it is really it's really cool. And especially like um reading papers of um Canadian rattlesnakes, a lot of the studies are done in the Grasslands National Park. And they're and it's funny because they're like at the northern extreme of their range and we're seeing them like a hundred miles north of that, yeah. So, so oh. really much more at the actual northern extreme, and and different habitat than grasslands where they're often studied. So, it's cool knowing that, like, this is a really unstudied part of this population. So, you're seeing things that and behaviors and you know habitat mm-hmm. use that many people don't. Science doesn't necessarily understand that well, but Sherry does. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> You're all welcome. <laughs> <laughs> She's not lying. Everyone is welcome. She even tried to invite this cop in Arizona one time. Yeah, yeah. I swear. <laughs> that was one of our many encounters with law enforcement. <laughs> I think uh, I think you told me this. You have to tell this one now. Oh god. There oh my god. So first, okay, first the bombs. You're in your bombs. So not me, just Americans. American bombs. <laughs> there's, like, there's like our countries are very, very similar, but they're also very, very different. So we were going to go to um, the Barry M. Goldwater range for white uh, speckled rattlesnakes. But before you're allowed onto this land, you have to endure Phoenix in the heat. And I remember just walking. Do you remember I got that huge piece of gum stuck to my sandal? Because the gum is like liquid and i was like stuck to the ground for a second i'm like what is this place <laughs> anyway so we we get in there and i'm getting stuck every second step so it looks like i have a limp <laughs> limp into the blm office and they're like i don't know sky takes care of the talking to the people which is great and then we have to sit down and watch this video before we're signed off to go onto this so it this starts i think with the american anthem <laughs> like an eagle or something and then one of the very first lines is like the bombs you encounter at the barry m Goldwater water you not look like the bombs you're familiar with so sherry pauses the video <laughs> and looks at me and she goes are all americans familiar, familiar with bombs <laughs> i was like what's happening <laughs> so we finished this very 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 strange video and then we we drive out there and like we we were ready like we had so much water we had so much food like two-year-old cheddar we had <laughs> a little bit of leftover gray 
Um, and then you, you phone in before you get in there just to report like the date you're going, when you expect to be out. And then also they're supposed to tell you about any adverse weather conditions. And of course it's monsoon season. And so they're like, yeah, no, you're good to go. So we go and we're going and then it's not going as well. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, this road is really sandy. <laughs> like, And I'm driving a two wheel drive pickup truck and it is that road is just deep in sand. So I saw our turn that we needed to make and couldn't make it because we were just stuck in the sand, like going straight in the sand. So at, so at this point, I tell her, I was like, we have we're going to have to get stuck and I'm going to have to get stuck blocking the road. Otherwise, Border Patrol pr- might not pull us out. So we 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 did that. And I'm so full. you turned the truck to block the road. So so that I knew Border Patrol would have to stop and pull us out because there was no other way we were getting out. Unfortunately, they That's were pretty ch- slick. They were chasing some bad guys at the time. And I guess blocking off the road thwarted their efforts. Um, so they weren't like super happy to see us. <laughs> um, and they they were like just speaking Spanish, which you know a little bit, but like I know, I mean now I know, you know, two words. But um, so then they took my passport and they took your ID, and I remember you trying to fought against that a little bit. Well, because they took them and then drove off with them, and then and so it was this big kind of thing. And then and they tried to give us this lecture of like you need to be prepared to come here, like you need to bring water, and we had like forty gallons of water and like you know big jugs in the back of the car and you know we were not unprepared but we were two women and so i just just they looked at us and were and like, assumed we were unprepared but we were probably over prepared so um eventually they they let like most not most but a lot of the air out of the tires and that's how we ended up getting pulled out um because you got better traction on the sand so whatever. So this this encounter, because they really weren't very nice, uh, left kind of a bad taste in our mouth. So we had, you know, these different options of where we could camp. And there was this other town nearby that we were going to supposedly at a campground, but it was actually just kind of a glorified trailer park. And clearly you couldn't just camp there. Um, and so we realized this. It's guy didn't want to wake anyone up in the trailers. So she turned off her lights. So we drive through this trailer park, realize we can't camp here. We decide we're going to treat ourselves and get like a motel and maybe have a day, you know, a motel with a pool. And so we're, we're kind of working ourselves up for a day of relaxation at this point. Um, but then we pass a sheriff and Sky's like, oh crap, my lights were off. And so, and I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, So then I turn my headlights on after we have passed this, this sheriff's office with this cop sitting outside. Oops. Yep. Oops. And me not being super familiar with law enforcement in America, I'm like, whatever, it's a big deal. And so we so we drive like 15 minutes and get to this motel and she's checking in and I am under the awning at the front with my headlamp looking for bats and bugs and whatever else I can find. Totally looking like weirdo. And it's like two in the morning or something. And then we were going to go, then we drove to the part of the motel where we could closest to our access points. We parked right by the door. We each grabbed a Modelo, which is still my favorite beer. Um, but we didn't have a beer bottle opener, so we just used, like, the inside of the truck door to take the beer cap off. And then it, when we did that, all of a sudden the lights were on. And it was police lights. And I was very surprised. And they had followed us all the way from their town um, because of the, the lights not being well, on. It was the same town, but they followed us across town and oh, watched okay. us check in. And then as we're going in, and but the lights came on. On the other side of the truck. So they actually didn't see us open the beer. So this cop 
but he pulls up and he, and he first he goes, what are you doing? And then he goes, oh, you can't have those at the open beer. So he didn't stop us because of the open beer. He was just. That's right. Oh, yeah, I always hard. thought he had. Yeah. No, he, he was just stopping us. But he said he could put us in jail for the night for an open beer. And I was like, wow, we're not in Canada anymore. <laughs> you know, like, it'd be weird if you didn't have an open beer in Canada. So we're sitting there and he's, he's, he gets our, my ID and her passport and he's calling Canada and, and everybody in Canada is asleep. So this happened with the border patrol. Nobody responded. And so nobody's responding, but he's interviewing, he's you know, questioning us while this is happening. And he's asked us what we're doing and we say we're like looking for snakes. And he looks at my backpack and it's this sort of military style of Molly straps, you know, and M O L L E M O L L E. Yeah. And so, um, and he was like, were you in the military? I was like, no, I just like these straps for holding, you know, equipment. Um, they're really good for holding like tongs and tweezers. Um, so anyway, uh, he was like, what is, you know, what's the color of that backpack? And I was like, well, this is the weirdest conversation I've ever had with a cop. And he goes, and I was like, well, I was like, it was supposed to be coyote green. He goes, that's not coyote green. And I was like, well, I know when I ordered it, they said it was going to be coyote green. He goes, that's not coyote green. I was like, I know. I don't know what color it is, but it, it was supposed to be coyote green. And they sent me the wrong one. And he just, again, that's not coyote green. And Sherry's looking at me like, is this really happening? Right. Like, in, in my brain, all I can hear is these are not the bombs you're familiar with. These are not the bombs you're familiar with. <laughs> and then he asked us about herping. And then and then he asked Sherry about herping in Canada. And and No, I don't even think he no. Or just, I just volunteered that. I was like, oh, this is a great educational opportunity. <laughs> So anyway, so she's, I didn't, I'm so into it telling them about prairie rattlesnakes at this point in the northern extent of their range. And then I can't, so suddenly I look at Sky and she's like, like stop, <laughs> you know, like the eyes, like, shut up. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's not really interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so sad. Anyway, so 45 minutes later, our beer is warm. Um, we were allowed to go and sleep finally, yeah. you know, like. I just, it was, it's so wild. And then we had another bad experience, but we won't get into that one. But that was because we were missing a license plate light, which we had lost getting towed out of the Barium Goldwater range. And so that was another, you know, so we, we had these three like separate, not great encounters. And then I went home to Canada and visited my sister and we went to a beach. And like the very next day, like, so like the day after I show back up in Canada, I see an RCMP officer licking ice creams with a crowd of kids licking ice cream. And I was just like, it kind of felt like a relief because it's just a different, it's just a different vibe for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway. Well, I don't know where to go. Maybe the, maybe the cop knew a guy named Coyote Green or something. I, I just really weird. It was the weirdest conversation. Like we just kind of got in a fight over the color of my backpack. And I kept trying to agree with him. And he just was like, you yeah. know, it, it was, I know he was just, he's like wasting time trying to get more information out of us and all, you know, I know. He's They're waiting for Canada to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> well, it Canada sounds like you gave him more information than he ever wanted about Canadian rattlesnakes. I probably invited him for a trip for sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was, it was definitely heading that way. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think we're, we'll just end there. I don't know if that's a, ending on a high note or a low note. I can't tell. <laughs> it's a note. It's a note. <clears throat> but uh, I want to thank you both for uh, talking to me today. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to uh, hang out with you, you both on this trip. And uh, it's been 
fun. <laughs> Just say that. Well, I, I hope your listeners enjoy this. <laughs> I, I can't imagine they won't. So, thanks for having us. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Well, that's it for episode 83. I want to thank Sky Stevens and Sherry Monk for coming on the show. I had such a good time talking with you two, and I can't wait till we meet again somewhere. A lot of fun. As always, I want to say thanks to all of the So Much Pingle patrons who keep the show rolling on into the future. And if you would like to kick in a few bucks to help support the podcast, it's easy to do, and it costs about as much as a cup of delicious coffee. Just go to patreon.com slash so much pingle, and so much pingle is all one word. And you can also make one-time contributions via PayPal or Venmo. Just drop me an email to somuchpingle at gmail.com for more details. And don't forget that you can find all the recorded episodes and show notes at somuchpingle.com. And you can join the So Much Pingle Facebook group to follow the show and interact with me and some of my guests. I say this every time, but I do like hearing from folks. I like to hear your thoughts and your opinions, your guest suggestions, and, you know, whatever you got. So you can email me at somuchpingle at gmail.com. And, of course, as always, so much pingle is all one word. Also, please note that I am on Instagram and Mastodon now under the So Much Pingle handle. And until we meet again, please take good care of yourselves. And don't forget to hurt better. <laughs> <laughs>